Man, I'm excited. Um, okay, so I called this message. I'm not going to give you the title yet. I want to give you the verses we're going to be reading tonight. By the way, listen, if you're a guest in here tonight, maybe you got invited. Maybe you got tricked into coming. Maybe the pretty girl that likes you invited you tonight. Thanks for coming. Um, just want to say this real quick. You don't have to believe with us to belong with us. Right? This is for you. Who's, you never really, you're probably exploring spirituality. You just, you don't even know what you believe. Listen, welcome home. We love you. Uh, man, if you call this place your home, anybody, any new birthers in the house? So we're excited to host you. We're excited to meet you. We love you. And um, keep hanging out, man. Let's start. Like, don't be that don't be that guy or girl that just comes one day to church because it's the first service of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's really look at God and say, God, this isn't just a phase. This is something that's for real. And I'm really going to jump into something that's actually leading me forward. Can I get an amen tonight? I'm seeing if y'all here. Y'all here? That got energy tonight? I know we've been off a couple weeks, but we here. We're reading in the book of 1 Peter. So, again, if you're a guest, welcome home. Most of us in here have said yes to Jesus. Most of us in here have gone to next steps. If you haven't, man, tonight's your night to say yes, to respond with your life. And then January 18th is your day to get plugged into the church. Um, I called this sermon, Say Something Crazy. And it's not inspired by that Drake song, Say Something Baby. <laughs> Shout out Drake. Shout out Drake. <laughs> what I said, keeping my mic up, I'm a little sick and it's just going to be worse. Shout out Drizzy. Say something crazy. Say something crazy. Say something. That's the title of my message tonight. Say something crazy. This year, God wants to do so much through you, but he wants it to come out of your mouth. Some of you guys got so much dreams, so much vision, so many plans, but you never told nobody about it. I'm here to remind you, listen, next week we're going to get into a new series. It's called This Is What We Do. That's what I was going to say. This is what we do. It's just letting you know what type of church we are, what type of direction we're headed. Um, but tonight, I just, I, I wrote this message inspired by the Holy Spirit, really, to just say something crazy. Say something. We're reading 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Um, so we're going to jump into 1 Peter. Um, here's the thing about the, the, the book. Don't throw the verses up yet. Uh, in 1 Peter, um, you, have, you have Peter, right? He, he's the writer of this book. This is a strong, profound book. See, every time... Every time we, we mention the verse on a Tuesday, I really expect you guys to go home and just continue to read First Peter. Like we starting in chapter three, man, go home and read First Peter chapter one and, and just catch up to chapter three. Um, and, and, and I want to give you some statistics about the Bible and then we're going to get into the context of what we're saying. And then we're going to break off some ideas that's really going to help us tonight. But here's the thing. So they did a poll. Uh, uh, scholars, theologians, professors, they got together and they polled anonymously thousands of Christians. Thousands of Christians. They just polled. They had a question for them. How many times do you read the Bible a week? How many days are in a week? Okay, for the 15 of you that know how many days are in a week, thank you so much. <laughs> how many days are in a week, YA? There we go. I knew he was here. So, so they asked him, how many days of the week do you read the Bible? And if I would ask you to yell out that number, it'll be, I hope it's great. So how many days of the week do you read the Bible? How many days of the week do you go, God, speak to me, right? And we said that last year. You can't say God's not talking if your Bible's closed. Like, it, it, he's already spoken, right? You just, just 
read it. Okay, so seven days a week, they asked thousands of Christians, how many times do you read the Bible? So a, a good majority of them, right, read once a week, twice a week, three times a week, and four times a week. Then they asked them another question. What are you dealing with? How's life? How's your evangelization? Like, how, how, how is life, right? So, so those, this was what's interesting. This was what's interesting about this poll. And I was talking earlier today with Kevin. I think we, I think we cracked it, right? I think we figured it out. So group, group one that read the Bible once a week had high levels of depression. They believe in Jesus, yet they're walking around depressed. Once a week had high levels of depression high levels of stress, high levels of anxiety, high levels of addiction. They weren't evangelizing to people, telling people about Jesus. They weren't confident in the scripture. How can you be confident to communicate a scripture you don't know? How can you be confident to be Jesus in the world when you don't know him? So they, their evangelization was low. Speaking about Jesus to their friends was low. Uh, I'm pretty sure they walked around convicted, right? Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit convicts you. He leads you. But without the Word, you don't know who God is, right? So, so, so the, the, the group one, they had high levels of a lot of different junk that sometimes we carry. And you would think this is how it went. You, and it's, just, it's, an astounding, it's an astounding result. You'd think that every number, one times a week, two times a week, three times a week, with the more times they read, you'd think those things dropped. Nope. The one-time-a-weekers, all those things were high. Two times a week, still high. Three times a week, still high. The graph never went up. But once it hit four times a week, all those things dropped. They were less depressed. They had less stress. They weren't struggling with anxiety. They weren't struggling with sexual sin. They weren't struggling with an identity issue. They weren't struggling with their calling. They weren't struggling with talking to people about Jesus. They weren't struggling. So I was talking to Kevin earlier today. He's like, why do you think, what, what, what do you think about the number four? We, we started getting a little spiritual, like cuatro, four. What, four, what's happened four? Here, here, I, think it's, I think it's more practical than it is spiritual. How many days are in your week? If I read the Bible three times a week. The majority of my week, I'm not in the Word. If I read the Bible four times a week, the majority of my week, I'm in the Word. That's good math right there. You like that? So when we read verses in church, I pray you take these, you take note, and you go home and read it. Because the breakthrough you want might be in the Word. The Bible says... The word of God is like a double-edged sword. It cuts going in. It cuts going out. It, it, it shows you who you are, where you're going. And when you get more comfortable in the word, I promise you, you'll share it more with your friends. I promise you, you'll be cornered in situations and you'll respond not with fear, not with a fight, but with the word of God. So tonight, I have a lot of verses that are really going to help you. So today, we're jumping into 1 Peter. I'm going to say 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read verses 8 to 12. Here's the thing about Peter. Peter, he's writing this book, um, who also 
penned this book is Silas, right? And, and a lot of you, if you know the Bible, you know Paul and Silas. Those are the two homies that worshiped their way out of prison. You know that story? Um, so that's Silas. Silas was one of the early church leaders, and him and Peter helped write this book. Here's the thing about Peter. If you know Peter, if you know the Bible, Peter is the guy in the scripture and in the Passion of the Christ. If you've seen the movie, he denies Jesus three times. In fact, he even denies him to a little girl. Jesus is taken. Jesus is captured, right? This is towards the end of Jesus' life, right? And this is like the night he gets betrayed, the night he is killed. The disciples were nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. They're hanging with Jesus three years straight. But once he's captured, they're like, oh, 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 sweat. They just, oh, oh, what's going on? And they're hiding because Jesus got captured. What's so funny is that Peter, he's confronted in the group. Hey, you look, you look like you follow Jesus. Oh, no, that wasn't me. He, a little girl, I know you. You walk around with Jesus. Nope, that's not me. Like, you know how shook you got to be to lie to a little girl? He's the guy writing this book that we're reading. He denies Jesus three times. It's another guy who denied Jesus. His name is Judas. With all the guilt and shame from denying Jesus, he actually committed suicide. Catch this. One guy denies Jesus, he kills himself. One guy denies Jesus, understands his fault, and Jesus says, listen, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He's the dude, read, we're reading his words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. When you fall, where do you go? Do you go to yourself? Do you go to your strength? Or do you go back to God? Because God's never done with you, even if you deny him three times. Here's the thing about Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He used to swear a lot. He's, I mean, like, you ever heard, like, you know, you talk like a sailor? I mean, that, this isn't something that's just came around a couple hundred years ago. This is just something that's, it, it's, it's in scripture. Like, fishermen weren't the most, like, you know, cognitive people. Like, they weren't thinkers. They weren't people you put to write. They weren't people you put to teach. But what's funny is that God, here's my first idea, God uses insignificant people in insignificant situations to do something incredible. This is a fisherman. I can imagine, I can imagine friends of Peter be like, bro, I know you. How, how, how are you even writing the Bible? Like, what is going on here? I know what you used to do. I know how you used to talk. And now you're over here acting all brand new like you're smart. Like you're actually going to pick up a pen and start writing to people, trying to be inspired by who. I know who you are. And, you, and, then, and then his name is Peter, but you, you didn't know this before Jesus. His name was actually Simon. But once he met Jesus, he had a new name. Oh, that could preach on its own. He had a new name. I don't care what people called you when you walked in. I don't care what life you used to live. When you meet Jesus, when you say yes to him, you have a new name, a new identity, and a new future. I love how you mentioned that earlier. Chris, he, he, he was like, hey, man, you're a new creation. This year, we got to start walking in our new creation. So Peter's writing this. this is the, he's a fisherman. He used to swear. He doesn't have education, but God uses insignificant people and insignificant situations to do something magnificent. So here's, here's really what I'm trying to say. Stop Xing yourself out from being used by God just because you have a past. 
you don't, you got to just read the Bible a little bit. See the people God's using. He uses nobodies to do something amazing, and he gets the glory for it. If the only people God used were holy people that never messed up, that never had a past, where would the power be? But he picks 12 nobodies, 12 sailors, tax collectors, thieves, robbers, and he says, follow me. And their ability to say yes turned them into something they'd never seen before. The theme of First Peter, when you're reading it, there's two themes, suffering and glory. Suffering and glory. We're just really diving into the book before we read verses so you can get a good picture of what we're doing. It's Peter, the fisherman. He used to swear. He, he got changed by the grace of God. He saw Jesus' ministry. He still denied Jesus three times. But when he fell, he ran back to Jesus. He ran back to arms of mercy. And Jesus says, listen, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He gains a gift of teaching. He gains a gift of teaching. He gains a gift of teaching. And he begins to teach in the early church. He begins to lead people in, in the true word of God. And the main theme of this book is suffering and glory. And listen, when you suffer, you got to know you look just like Jesus. You see, the world around you, when they suffer, they go to drugs, they go to alcohol, they go to, to sex, they go to all these different things to numb the pain. But when you suffer, we don't do that. We actually absorb the evil done to us. You look just like Jesus. Jesus, with all power and all authority, still hung on the cross with you in mind. His mission was in mind through the suffering. And this book is writing to the church saying, listen, through suffering, endure because God is with you. Can I get an amen tonight, y'all here? I know I'm doing a lot of teaching, but. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 3. He's writing to the church. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. I love this phrase. An eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind. But on the contrary, bless, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Somebody say, say something crazy. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life. Oh, man, if you want to love life, whoever desires to see good days. Oh, I love this. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Whoever wants to see good days, whoever wants the best year ahead of them, watch your mouth. Don't speak evil and don't speak deceit. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Somebody say, say something crazy. You probably didn't know this. I want to give this next idea. Listen, there is power in the tongue. He, I love how he says, listen, you want good days? Don't speak evil. Don't speak deceit. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. There is power in the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. Death and life 
are in the power in the tongue. Do you feel the polarity here? Like, if your life is full of death, it's probably because you're speaking death. It's probably because you're speaking negativity. It's probably because in every single circle you're in, you look for what's wrong, and you have no control. You just blabber it out, and now what was a good dinner table with good food just got rotten. But you feel the polarity. Not only is there death, but there's also life. So you can walk in in a room and you can just speak life and you can find nothing good to say and still encourage somebody and change the weather. You see Biggie Smalls. You see, here's the thing. There's so much power in the tongue. Biggie Smalls, the, the album before he died, you know what was the name of his album? Ready to Die. Juice World. What's that one song? What's the, what's the 27 Club? We ain't making it past 21. And he's dead now. Like, there's so much power in your tongue. You don't even understand it. And some of y'all are so loose. You just so you just speak and speak and speak and this and this and that. And, this. and you see it unfold and you're like, is this the universe telling me something? Shut up. <laughs> and say something crazy for God. Because, yes, there's death in the tongue, but there's also life. Verse 10, whoever would love life, go back to to 1 Peter, verse 10. It says, whoever would love life, whoever would love life, whoever desires to love life. Man, this year, I want to just love life and see good days. Anybody else? Anybody else in here? Like, y'all done having bad days. Y'all done having, come on, it's going to be the best year of my life. Man, if you desire to love life and see good days, keep your tongue from evil. I hope you get convicted next time you fly curse them out. Just bite your tongue. The most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is just bite your tongue. You see, my dad, he, he worked in a courthouse once, and they did an experiment within the courthouse. They got all the workers, all the, 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 the co-workers and, and, and the bosses and the managers, they, they put them in the courtroom, and they did an experiment on the power of the tongue. These aren't Christians. These are just people who have, have brains. Put people together, right, and they said, this, this is what we're going to do. We have two people, two individuals. They're outside this room, all right? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask both of them to build a house of cards. Somebody say house of cards. And I haven't seen that show on Netflix. Is it good? I always see it and I just go buy it. You know those shows you just keep going? Okay, side note. Sorry. ADD. Play for me. We're going to take two people. We're going to ask them to build a house of cards. Here's what we're really going to do, though. So, so when, 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 when person one comes in, all 50 of us, we're going to encourage them. You got this. You can do it. You got this. You can do it. On the count of three, everyone either shout, uh, shout out, you got this, or you can do it. On three, ready? One, two, three. So encouraging. Thank you. I got this. So they said, all right, so while they build the house of cards, the first person, we're just all going to encourage them. The second individual, we're going to say, you don't got this. You can't do it. One, two, three. Say either or. One, two, three. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I really did that twice. So you see what they're doing here. They're saying, we're going to do an experiment. I don't know if you ever tried to build a house of cards. It's not the easiest thing. They bring in person one. Okay, ready, set, go. When I say go, you're going to build a house of cards. And the guy's like, okay, I could try. 
And then once he said go, everyone just starts encouraging him. You got this. You can do it. Keep going. You got this. You can do it. Homie's on fire. He's like, he's, he's like hey, let's go. You know, they do block by block. Yeah. You know, they got the, he got the walls. Whoa. He got the roof, and he built the house in like three minutes. And when he finished, everyone was like, yeah. Woohoo! He built the house of God. He's like, yeah. All right, thank you. Now send in the next guy. Guy number two comes in. You're going to build the house cards. Ready, set, go. Boo. You can't do it. Homie didn't get one card up. Didn't get one card up. Here's my next idea. Listen, your attitude determines your altitude. You could put that up as quick as I'm saying it. Your attitude determines your altitude. Here's my next idea. Your words can light someone's life up or light someone up on fire with your words. With your words. You can either light someone's day up or light them up on fire. See, this is true about life. Next idea. Words are too easy to throw, but most times it's difficult to take back. It's so easy to just throw negativity, but you hate when people talk negative to you. Some, some, sometimes you say something stupid, like you said it, and you immediately wish you didn't say it. Like, oh, I wish I could take that back. They're not going to forget that. that. That's why the Bible says, listen, there's power in the tongue. You see, James, in the book of James, this is what he says. He says, a bit in the mouth, James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. Have you ever seen, you've been horseback riding. How do you control the horse? With the mouth. You have the saddle and you have the, the, you know, the piece here that the rope goes where? To the mouth of the horse. And James is saying a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a ship. Have you ever seen a ship? Think how big the ship is. And it's just a small little rudder right here. Just this little motion right here can move the Titanic, right? Like just a small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. So he's saying, listen, just the smallest part of the horse can direct the whole horse. The smallest part of the boat can lead the whole boat. And then he says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account. But it can nearly accomplish anything or destroy it. A word out of your mouth can either accomplish something or destroy something. And some of us got we got to get better with our language. Some of us are so used to saying, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. No, 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 no. I am more than a conqueror. Stop calling yourself. If you call yourself a loser, you'll feel more comfortable when you lose. If you call yourself a drunk, you'll just be receiving the fact of what you said, that you're a drunk. I'm always going to be addicted. No, change the way you're talking. I will be free in the mighty name of Jesus. Some of us are saying, I can't do this. No, listen, you can do it. Yes, you can. Oh, I'm a mistake. No, you're not. God thought about you before the earth was even formed. He's an eternal being. You're an eternal being. Just because you were born 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you were still an eternal thought. You're not a mistake. You're God's plan. This is going to be a tough year. That's the worst way to talk about this year. How about we talk like this is going to be the best year of my life? Anybody trying to walk in positivity? 
here's my next idea. Declarations are cool, right? So we're not just talking about positivity. Declarations are cool, but declarations of faith are crazy. And we're going to give some verses now. But, but some of us, we're so, we're, we're so just quick to give a declaration. But when you give a faith declaration, that's when things can actually change. Ephesians 4.32 says, I am kind. This is how you need to talk to yourself. This is how you need to communicate. I am kind and tenderhearted to others. We say, I'm, I'm just, I'm mean and don't come at me in the mornings. No, 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 no. Talk different this year. I am kind and tenderhearted to others. I forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven me. Philippians 4.13. Oh, I, I can't do anything. No, 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 no. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? That's what I can. That's a faith declaration. Colossians 1.11. Oh, I'm so weak and I have no power. No, 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 no. I am being strengthened with, with all power according to his might. I have great endurance and patience. I'm so impatient. Stop talking like that. I'm growing impatient as you're saying you're impatient. No, 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 no. Change the way you talk. I have endurance and I have patience. Why? Because I have Jesus living inside of me. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I'm not just a man. I'm not just a woman. I'm a new creation and I can become something I never become because there's a God in me that could do anything. Psalms 35, 27, I can't serve this year, and I don't, I don't prosper at all. No, no, no. Psalms 35, 27 says, I am God's servant, and he takes pleasure in my prosperity. Deuteronomy 28, 2, oh, I can't experience anything, and I don't really walk in obedience. No, no, no. I experience all blessings as I obey the Lord, my God. Deuteronomy 28.3, I am blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. What is that saying? I'm blessed when I come and I'm blessed when I go. I'm blessed on Sunday. Monday's a whack to you. But listen, I'm blessed on Monday too. I'm blessed on Tuesdays. I'm blessed coming in, going out on a whack day, on a good day. I'm blessed because I'm alive. And there's power in those who God still gives breath to every morning. You're doing better than you think you are. You're way better than you think you are. You know that. Psalms 5.12, God blesses me and surrounds me with favor as a shield. I just feel like I'm all alone. That's the wrong language. You're going to feel alone. If you say you're alone, you're not alone. He's with you, and there's a shield around you. All of you can see in the spirit, the angels that are fighting for you, the prayers that are coming over you, washing over you. It should have been you that got shot. It should have been you in that car accident. It should have been you with cancer. But you're standing here today with full health, and I know you're still praying for things, but you're doing a lot better than you think. Psalms 135.4, the Lord has chosen me for himself as his special treasure. I'm not just another tool in the box. I'm the one you go to because it feels nice when you turn it. I'm God's treasure. I'm not no last resort. Jesus loves me like I'm the only person in the world to love. How can he do that for all of us? He's God. That's how he can do it. He's there for me tonight when I go to bed the same way he's there for you. His presence meets me where I'm at and meets you where you're at. Wherever you live, Poinciana, Orlando, I don't care. He meets you right where you're at. God can't forgive me. I can't even forgive myself. Listen, Psalms 103, verse 3. God forgives all my iniquities and heals all of my diseases. That's a great word to speak over your life. Psalm 17, 8. 
Keep me as the apple of your eye. I'm not just another piece. I'm the apple of God's eye. When he sees me, he goes, oh, that's mine. And I got him. Hide me in the shadow of your wing. Does God have wings? No, 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 no. But when you're in the presence of God, there's just like this hovering over you. And he, he protects you. One of my favorite verses in the world, Philippians 1.6 I am confident, I'm confident, somebody say confident, of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go back to 1 Peter that we already read, chapter 3, verse 12 says this, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, I, I want to read verses 10 to 12. Remember, this is Peter that God is using, the fisherman. He denied Jesus publicly, even to a little girl. And God still had an amazing plan over his life. God still had an amazing calling. God even gave him the gift of teaching. God says, upon you, I'm going to build my church. So he's writing these verses, and he says, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil. That's repentance, turning away, turning away. Listen, if you're always talking about girls, stop wondering why you, you can't stop having sex. If all you do is talk about the struggle, you wonder why you're still struggling. Start talking about Jesus. Start talking about God. Get that Bible open the majority of your week. And you'll see some things start changing. I can't stop sipping. You, what do you talk about? What are you listening to? Who are the people feeding you? Because here's the thing. People aren't hungry. They'll still eat when you feed them. Change the way you speak. Because not only is there death in that, but there's also life in that. And I love verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He says, turn from evil and do good. Turn from evil and do good. Turn from, you have the ability to turn, you know that. And here's the thing, God says, listen, my eyes are on the righteous. And my ears are open to their prayer. I want you to write this down, my next idea. His eyes are on me and his ears are, upon, are open to me. His eyes are on me and his ears are open to me. His eyes are on me and his ears are are open to me. Pastor, when I pray, I feel like it's hitting the ceiling. Stop talking like that. Read your word. Read your word. Because he's looking at you and he's listening. His, his, his eyes are open to you. And his ears. He's leaning in. Here's, here's, the, here's the way I could summarize that. He sees me and he hears me. He sees me and he hears me. God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees the future. He knows your past. And he's listening. And he's not intimidated by your struggle. Pastor, I'm too, dirt, I'm too dirty for God. That's a lie from the enemy. God's not intimidated by your worst day. In fact, your most righteous day compared to God is like filthy rags, the world says. He's not intimidated by the, the, the things you're going through. He sees you and he hears you. He loves you. 
he's got these eyes, these googly eyes. You know, you ever, you ever mess with googly eyes? Like, they're just, like, so fun. He's like, oh, my God. He's got the hard eyes for you. And for the men in here, listen, God loves you more than your bros that are leading you to a life that you can't, you know you can't go down. God loves you more than them. They say they died for you. Jesus really did it. They took a bullet for you. Jesus took 39 whips. He hung on a cross for you. Man, he loves you. He's got this. He's looking from the heavens, from the heavenly, the heavenly of heavenlies, like the highest of heavens. He's looking down on the earth. You guys remember that one song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's just looking at us. How many of you guys are at church on Sunday for Propel Sunday, Vision Sunday? I was doing some research, and listen, this is, this, I'm, I'm landing the plane. We're done. Uh, NASA, NASA, they actually gave a diagnosis to their astronauts. They call it the overview effect. Now, this isn't fake news. This is real. They gathered all their astronauts, and they said, what is it you're going through? What is it you're feeling? What is it, what is it you're experiencing? They diagnosed them with something. It's, it's, a, it's a diagnosis. It's called the overview effect. It's when astronauts saw the earth from afar for the very first time. You can't get this diagnosis unless you see the world from space. There's a cognitive switch. Hear me. There's a mental switch that goes off in their heads that allows them to have this overwhelming love for the world, this overwhelming need to recycle, this overwhelming need to save the world. It's only when you see the world, get that picture? From this perspective right here, once they get to space and they see the globe, and they're like, yo, I live somewhere down here in Florida. I can't even see my house from here. What the heck? They, it's called the overview effect. They automatically, something goes off in their head. This is what the astronaut said. This is literally his words. He says, when we originally went to the moon, our total focus was on the moon. We weren't thinking about looking back at the earth. But now that we've done it, now that we were in space and we looked back at the earth, that may well have been the most important reason we went. To just look back at the world and see things from a different perspective. Here's what I believe those astronauts are going through. They call it the overview effect. I'm going to call it the God effect. That you see the world from this perspective. Suspended under nothing. An Old Testament writer puts in the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, in those times, they believed that the world sat on the back of a man. Actually, sat on top of a turtle, a turtle on top of the back of a man. This is what people believed. And there's a, 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 a believer in the God of Israel somewhere in the land writing, the earth is suspended under nothing. This is way ahead of his science, way ahead of his time, the word says in the Old Testament. That God looks at the world and he says, man, I love you so much. Put that idea back on. His eyes are on me and his ears are open to me. 
his eyes are on me and his ears are open to me. He loves you, church. You can do it. It's going to be the best year of your life. This is going to be the year you put it down and you put it down for good. I'm telling you right now. And you got to speak that into existence. It's going to be the year you become something you never thought you could. Give God the whole year. Don't just show up the first week of the year. That's so cliche. Somebody say, keep coming. Somebody say, keep coming. Because his eyes are on you and his ears are upon you.